turn with me if you have your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 21 to 26 today. But we are, just as we sang, glorious and mighty, we are talking about the Most High God today. He's the maker of the universe, right? He created you and me. He's entirely holy and just and powerful. He knows everything. He's present everywhere. He's perfection personified. Why do you and I think we can interact with him? Here's the reason. We know the reason. Because he revealed himself, right? He showed himself to a covenant people. He chose Abraham, the father of a nation that would be his nation, Israel. And it's recorded in the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. It's called the Torah, the law. He made promises to them. He showed himself to be love. And there's Moses who wrote those first five books with God, hearing from the God writing down in the Bible rules and regulations so that a holy, perfect God could interact with people. There are no perfect people. Not in this room. Right? Amazing. That's why this morning is so important. This paragraph of the Bible, this paragraph that Martin Luther said, this, this is the most important paragraph in the whole Bible. I think there are other important paragraphs. But this one, this one's amazingly important. The effects of this passage echo through our lives. At the end of the day, this is about God's righteousness. So we let God's righteousness be revealed and explained and justified in this text. We might humble our hearts and live in gratitude, hope, and assurance today. I'd like to read the whole paragraph, and then we'll, we'll walk through it together so we understand God's perfect word. So Romans chapter 3, looking at verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's our passage, and we want to start today with righteousness revealed. What What is it? Because we started our text, if you look there in verse 21, but now, something new is coming. This is a, a new thing that he's now pulling from the weeks that we've been looking at how people fail. The righteousness of God is revealed, is manifested. Have you ever thought about what that is? It's a really hard term to define. 
many terms here. You might say, oh, my, I hope I got all this as I read through it. No, yeah, righteousness of God. What is that? What is the righteousness of God? Is it God's right action in saving people? Is it an attribute of God? One of his attributes is righteous. Is it his covenant faithfulness to his people? Is it his steadfastness? Is it his trueness or integrity? Is it his purity? Is it his justice? You know what the answer is? Yes. It's about as good as you can get, right? Because God is true to himself. If God is perfect, everything about him is true and right. God is right. And in Matthew, he's revealed himself. Everything he's revealed is right. It's true. That's why we've called this morning steadfast integrity. You can get that. Oh, God has revealed his steadfast integrity. But it, but it extends to his saving action. It extends to things. It's Matt, because this is the perfect God, and he is who he is. That's his name. Yahweh means I am who I am. I am righteous. All of it, trueness and integrity. If God promises, if God reveals, it's true. His character is straight and spot on all the way. Steadfast. Never changing. So the God who promised Abraham a nation, the God who desires interaction with people, the God who reveals himself as a loving and merciful God, all true. It's amazing. This, this righteousness revealed. The righteousness of God has been manifested, shown, revealed, apart from the law. That's a surprise. The law is not a part of God's new revealed right. What? Righteousness, steadfast, integrity, covenant, faithfulness, faithful love of God. Why not? Isn't the law perfect? Doesn't the psalmist write, I love your perfect law? Leave that aside for a minute. We'll come back. It's woven through this whole paragraph. But but look, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament and the New, the, the Hebrew Bible testifies, right? Because he keeps on going. But the law and the prophets bear witness to this righteousness of God. The law testifies that something's coming. How's that? How's that? To testify to this new righteousness, this new thing, and apart from the law, the law itself showing that there's more. Right? Look at Abraham in Genesis 15:6. It says, listen, and he, Abraham, believed Yahweh, and God counted it to Abraham as righteousness. Wow, that seems interesting. Even way back then, even at the very start, before the law started, the righteousness was believing in God. Abraham in Genesis 22, who, who said, Oh, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice when, when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac, the child of the promise. We have Exodus, and you read Exodus in, in, in the law, in the Torah, the second book there, and it's all about Moses laying down these precepts, but what he lays down is a sacrificial system, right? It's a way that an imperfect person can interact with a holy and mighty God. Because God is totally separate from us and totally different 
in ways we don't even really get. So, so in a momentary way, the, the sacrifices would, would make it so that you could still interact with and have covenant with her, have promises, relationship with God. Even in Joshua, just after the law had been given, and they go in to get the promised land, and right away in Joshua, there's the inclusion in God's people of this Canaanite prostitute. Remember, her name is Rahab. She's in God's covenant people. How does that work? And they'll, no, see, the law testifies that God's righteousness is there and coming, and something's coming, but it doesn't, something's missing. God's character, his integrity, it's always been shown. It's always been here. The law of Torah testifies to that righteousness. The prophets testify to that righteousness. But now apart from that law, verse 22, is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is faith in Jesus. This reveals God's righteousness. Righteousness revealed the true character of God. The righteousness of God revealed the saving action of God. It's all one piece here. God's purity revealed through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the means by which God's justifying works become applicable. The means by which God says, yes, yes, look, I am in relationship with you. The steadfast integrity revealed through faith in Jesus. Now, this phrase is so central that people have argued and tried to take it mean different things. Many people say, oh, you could say the faithfulness of Jesus. See, God's righteousness, God is righteous, God is good. And therefore, he is being revealed through Jesus was good and righteous too. God, Jesus' faithfulness reveals God's faithfulness. No, actually, whenever Paul uses this word faith, he uses it in, in Romans as, as belief. He's talking about people believing in Jesus. He's not talking about Jesus' faith. Jesus didn't need faith. Righteousness revealed is through faith in Jesus Christ. The stress is on everyone. The stress is on Jew and Gentile, right? Faith in Jesus Christ for all. All who believe. Every single person, no matter what class, no matter what nationality, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what gender, no matter what status, everyone who believes in Jesus, this is how you see God's righteousness, is that it's true, his character and mercy has been out there, and now there's a way. Wow. This is because in the very first words of the law, the very first words of the Bible is God creating the world. What does he say the world is? Remember that? He says it over and over. And the first day, evening, and God said, this is good. And the second day, this is good. And the third day, this is good. God created a good... Did, was he lying? No. And now he's about restoring. Restoration. Where he puts things in trueness with him. In righteousness with him. In connection to him. The law testifies it's coming. Righteousness is revealed through faith in Jesus. Access to God's righteousness is in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction. The end of verse 22. For there is no distinction. Just and true and loving, revealing, awesome through and through. God is right and pure. 
And faith in Jesus reveals it. If you're following me, you're like, I don't really understand why that's true. That's good. Because this is what he does. He's going to explain it. Righteousness explained. He doesn't stop. He keeps going, right? So I, I get that that's what he's saying. How does it apply to me? How do I get it? So let's see how Paul applies it to us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a very famous verse. Many of us memorized it when we were children. It's short. It's pithy. It says good things. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all toast, burnt, prescribing actions for those in relationship. Right? Stay in relationship with the Holy God. We, we don't. And here's the glory of God. That's the interesting thing about this piece, right? For all have sinned. I get that. Sin is missing the mark, is twistedness. My, my inside is not true. And fallen short of the glory of God. Why not fallen short of the righteousness of God? Why not fallen short of the holiness of God? The glory of God. What was God when he makes the world? What does it shine forth? His glory. His perfections reflected in the wondrous things that he's made. And what do we do with sin? We don't show it. God makes man there in Genesis to be an imager of him. Here, you image me. What do mankind do? They don't image God. We're selfish creatures. We don't say, oh, oh, we're a loving, self-sacrificial God. No, I get stuff for me. And I fall short of the glory. Pure, raw, perfection, magnificent presence. There's doing okay, and then there's God's glory. And you and I, we fall short of God's glory on our own. Remember, this is all apart from the law. The law results in twistedness, not of the law. Remember what God said? We had this last week. What God said of the law that he gave to his people in Deuteronomy 4. This is the law. And what great nation is there, Deuteronomy 4, 8, that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Righteous law. And yet all sin falls short of God's glory. I tried to see how to how to give an image for this. I, I came this way with it. This is a tree. This is a twisted dead tree. And if God saw this tree and said, this is what the law, the law that was perfect makes people, shows people their deadness. And so God's righteousness and trueness all through and through is he's embracing this people as his own who were all like this, twisted trees. That doesn't really seem to show and magnify God's righteousness, does it? When when to, to show the glory of God is abundant life and imagery of, of, of wonder, you need to be like this. Radically, amazingly reflecting, imaging God's character and his purity and his wonder. All that he's done is good. And, and, and so this is what's needed but all have sinned and fallen short. And yet, verse 24, and all who believe are justified, here's this word, 
declared righteous are declared righteous, truly thought of by God as righteous, by His grace as a gift. <sighs> we got to pause, even though there's hiccups. Got to pause and think. What is it? What is it that makes me, turns me from something like this dead, horrible thing into something that's actually alive? And, and, and here's the wonder, this, this, this phrase, by his grace, and lest you not understand what grace is, as a gift. This is not a housewarming gift. This is eternal life. This is trueness forever. This is fruitfulness and life. This is restoration into the purity and wonder and trueness of God that we partake in. How, how do we get there? Grace as a gift. the great and mighty and righteous God. He says, no work, no law, only believe. I give it to you. Believe in my son. This is unbelievable. I want more, please. Explain this righteousness applied to me. And he does. Look at the next phrase. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption. Ransom paid. This is a payment, the payment of a ransom for you. You were dead and twisted. Someone paid a ransom for you. And that is in Christ Jesus. He did it. You know, when we sing and we sing our songs, Jesus paid it all. He did. We who were slaves, we who were dead, redeemed, made alive by God's gift. How? A faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, I get it. Believe in Jesus. But how? What does that what does that mean? I still need more. Good. He keeps going. The redemption that's in Jesus Christ, a gift of God, whom, verse 25, God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. You want to go right to propitiation. So I don't know, I'll talk about that word again and what does it mean. No, no, no. Look, look first. God put forward. God publicly displayed. Look at God's righteous character being revealed. He publicly put forward something here. Publicly that we might become new, that people might see. Not hidden things, but publicly seen. What? This propitiation. Propitiation literally means wrath absorber, absorber of wrath. Soaking up all of God's wrath. But the word here is interesting. That's why we read Hebrews this morning. Remember Hebrews we read? It talked about the, the tabernacle and it talked about how you could go, like the priests, all the priests sometimes would go into this first section. And in the first section they would do their sacrifice stuff. But only once a year did you get to go into the second part, the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest. And in that Holy and Holies, there were some special things. But in order for the, the priest to even be there, and then what he was doing was to make sacrifice for the people, he would sprinkle blood on, on this thing called the mercy seat that was over the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. 
And so this blood from an animal that would come and get sprinkled on this very special animal blood, once a, once a year they would go in, and it was hidden away. You never actually saw it your whole life. You just heard about it from me talking or the reading. You would know. So sprinkled blood. And guess what? That word, propitiation, is the word for mercy seat. See, here's God's righteousness that he brought forward publicly. What was before, hidden away in the Holy of Holies, that once a year a priest could come in and sprinkle blood on this special top of the covenant of God that covered and made acceptable the holy priest to, to be there and even made propitiation, made, made sacrifice for the people. The mercy seat. That's Leviticus 16. It's called the Day of Atonement. Special day of the year. This Day of Atonement is when he could come in. And so here's the atoning sacrifice of God by his own blood covering for all to see. Jesus Christ, a ransom blood poured out, life given in God's Son. Wow. We, we've, we've gotten cold, perhaps you and I, and even sitting here today, we've gotten cold perhaps with the wonder of this that made back in the very beginning when God made the earth and then God picked his people and then God gave them this special thing that, that would atone for their sin once a year and it was hidden away and now it's been brought and made public view of the wonder of what God has done in his righteousness. How do I get it? <laughs> I want it. You have it, I hope. This trueness, this life, this rightness, it's received by faith, right? Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a mercy seat, a sacrificial atonement by his blood, the giving of life, to be received by faith. Oh, how vast the humility. Nothing I've done. Nothing I'll ever do. Never about how good I was or how good I'm going to be. I, no, received. By believing that God's done it in His Son. Faith in Jesus Christ. The law of no use. This is why He can say right at the front, the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law. Why? Because it's a gift. The laws of no use except to reveal my lack and to point forward to Jesus Christ. This is the Bible's bold assertion. It's not just in Romans. I put one verse there for you to see from 1 Corinthians, but it's all over, but 1 Corinthians 1. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Who's our righteousness? Jesus Christ. How could this be? How could this be? It doesn't seem right to me. Does it seem right to you? I want to talk about justified righteousness, that it is amazing and right. That's revelation of God. That's where Paul goes. Right? In verse 25, he keeps going. It's, it's a new sentence. This 
This was to show, to reveal God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This was to show this, what? This, this amazing righteousness revealed in Jesus Christ. This, this faith gift of grace that this is, this is what it is to be in the righteousness of God is to believe in Jesus Christ. To show the steadfast integrity in a way the law never could and never did. Why? Well, think with me just for a minute. Use your minds with me. Walk through this just for a second with me. Okay, Psalm 103. I'll read it to you. Verse 10, it says this. He does not deal with us according to our iniquities, nor repay us according to our sins. Think about that for a minute. He does not deal with us according to our iniquities, nor repay us according to our sins. Does that seem to be true? Well, that is true in the sense that that happens. The Bible's true. But does that seem to be just? Is God playing favorites with his people? Does God play favorites and say, or, or maybe it's, hey, they tried. As long as you try, I'll look over your sins. As long as you, as long as you take a few steps about at least mumble a prayer or two and bring me a dove. So then we can overlook your sins. It just won't matter. Does the law allow God? The perfect law. If you do this, you're blessed. If you do this, you're cursed. Allow God to, is God unjust? What happened to his righteousness? Say, well, that's just a verse that probably doesn't really mean that. That's your cherry picking. Okay, turn with me. Come with me back to second Samuel for a moment. We have time to do this quickly. Second Samuel. Samuel's before Kings. Keep going back and go all the way back to chapter 12 for me. And look with me at chapter 12. You may know this scene. We'll be looking at verse 13. But what's happened is David's gone out and sinned and he's become a murderer and an adulterer. Remember that? He saw this woman who was not his wife, who was married to someone else, and he had her husband killed, arranged it so he would be killed. And then he went and married her, but after he had already sinned. And look at verse 13. David comes to his senses there. David says to Nathan, and Nathan's the prophet, and David says to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Yeah, no, duh. You just killed somebody, and it'll do so. Two big sins. Everybody. Murder? And Nathan said to David, this is verse 13 still, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Wait a minute. How can a righteous God do that? Right, sin, right, is lack of trueness. Sin is twistedness. Sin is the, the actual action that David did came out of his heart, right? So, so, so the actual twisted David's twisted there. How, how can God accept that? I don't understand. That doesn't seem righteous. Nevertheless, verse 14, because by this deed you've scorned the Lord, the child born to you shall die. Oh, that makes it better. Now your kid's going to die? Innocent child? What's going on with that? That didn't make it better, that made it worse. It 
Isn't that just pointing to God's un? Right? She says, no, 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 Romans, look. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. Wow. You see, it's always been like this. Postponed penalty. God is always perfect. God is perfectly just, perfectly holy. He's able to overlook all these things that you kind of puzzle at in the law. He's able to overlook because he's pointing forward to the perfect sacrifice. That's coming. This is why we say Old Testament saints are saved by their faith in Christ, looking forward. Because God in his forbearance continued in his steadfast faithfulness to use them and to, to bear fruit through them. David, this is the man who's in the line of Christ. Postponed penalty. Because the payment was coming. The payment of Jesus Christ. Right? That's verse 26. The passing over of sin was to show his righteousness not back then, but at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, that's what it was. The steadfast integrity of God pointing forward the whole time to the coming sacrifice, sacrificial atonement, propitiation, absorbing of all the wrath of all the sin that was paid by those who have faith in him. It was coming. Jesus Christ reveals it. Because there was no sin ever that was not actually paid for on the cross. I think we witness a miracle today and we often don't think of it or realize it. We stand. We stand, you and I. We're standing before a holy, awesome, magnificent, perfect God. We sing these songs. Oh, how great is our God. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, be, be close to me. We love, we're, we're singing like we're actually speaking to him. How can we do that? That is no compromise on God's part that we who then go out during the week and sin, that we who are imperfect in every way, that, that we can offer praise to a holy God, it is by the sacrifice of His Son. There's no compromise. This paragraph we've looked at today, this paragraph is no get saved paragraph. Oh, that if you don't know Jesus, your eyes might be open. Oh, that if you don't know him, you might actually see, wow, this is the way. I'm a sinner. The only way to God is here. That's great. But realize Paul, as he wrote this, he's writing to Christians. He wrote to you and me this morning. He wrote to Christians. He wants them to know why. That is not their deeds ever. That is not by law Ever. It never was. And apart from the law is this righteousness. Your sin paid all of it. Your brothers and sisters' sin paid all of it. Eternal life given. This is why the primary response for you and I this morning, the primary response of the Christian for your life are two main pieces. Number one is humility. 
I did nothing. You did nothing. You just received this as a gift of grace from God. If you're going to heaven forever, you receive that as a gift of grace from God. How humbling that is. Nothing I've ever done counts to get that gift. It's only believing that Jesus did it, not me. Having faith in his son, being united in a mysterious way that I, I don't even do, my eyes being open, the Holy Spirit convicting me, things happening that I don't even do. It's humbling, I'm nothing. And right hand in hand with that, gratitude. Look what you've been given. I put my arms out, it's like my arms could catch it all. I couldn't. It, it would be like me standing here and I'm, I, I'm, I've, I've got a, a mountain of stuff that's overwhelmed me. Higher than Mount Baker and I'm sitting here looking at it like my arms are going to contain the wonder of what's been given to us. Oh, that our hearts might be broken in gratitude. The wonder of what Jesus Christ has done. But now, the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, we worship. Bow with me, let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing text. Thank you that it is all you, Lord. We thank you for your gift. The gift of grace. That we who believe in you get to be righteous, Lord. Declared, really declared, not, not given a new righteousness, not made righteous apart from you, not anything, Lord. Just in you, you see us as true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we get to be restored. Thank you that as we're in your Son, we image you. Thank you that, Lord, you have saved us for eternity. Father, I pray for us as a body, we might live in humility and in gratitude. You might bore those things into us, Lord, as we worship and glorify you and your Son. It's in your Son's name we pray.